0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Manager IQ's Manager Skills Corner podcast. Manager IQ's mission is to provide an online space where managers can access all the resources, learnings, and tools to build their manager toolkit, and also to provide you with a community of managers to lean on. This podcast is designed to bring experts in specific areas of management to share their knowledge and experience with the Manager IQ community. We share tips and tricks which you can implement into your management practice. For more information about Manager IQ and our products, check out our website www.manageriq.com. Now let's check out today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Manager Skills Corner podcast. Today we are discussing mental health in the workplace with Nick McHewen Hall, CEO and founder of the Mental Health Coach, which he founded in 2020. He did which provide all types of accredited world-class mental health first aid training, including community, workplace, youth and teen programmes all across Australia. He's also grown the range of services to include mental health services, coaching, counselling and workshops. Nick himself has had a range of experiences which helps him support his clients, which includes senior leadership positions at organizations such as youth projects, which include managing the rollout of the LGBTQIA plus programs, general manager of the executive coaching education provider, a vet consultant and a DISC facilitator, head of projects and strategy at Education Institute, operations managers at the Second Byte Eastern Food Alliance, event manager, board member at Fruits Learning Network, guide dog, puppy brazier, and Airbnb superhost, And that's just to name a few. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, Nick, and showcase your passion for mental health and creating meaningful learning experiences for your clients. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today?
1: Thank you so much. I'm great. Thanks. I'm really great. Thanks for having me.
0: Fabulous. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career today and how you've become an expert in that mental health in the workplace area.
1: Sure. Uh, It's a long story. I started life as a secondary school teacher. I Mm studied secondary school teaching at university and I figured out during a practical placement that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with teenagers. So I left that degree and I moved to Melbourne and I decided I wanted to work with adults. And my first job was working with young people with disabilities and teaching them sort of life skills and things to make a transition into work. And ever since then I've worked with people in a leadership capacity, in a learning and development sort of space, whether that be a an education provider or a TAFE or an RTO, that kind of thing. And I've always had a lot to do with people, whether that's training and developing people, facilitating training or leading teams. And in 2019, I, I went off and did a whole lot of learning around mental health and mental health first aid. Um, and since then, you know, during the pandemic, I did a few other qualifications and things like that that sort of backed in my experience, I suppose, working with people with qualifications. And I really found the thing that I love to do very luckily. I'm very fortunate for that. But I love um, working with people to develop their skills in the mental health space. And, yeah, I love that. So that's the short version of how I got to where I am.
0: Oh, thanks, Nick, for sharing. And uh, one of the things that I love about, I guess, people's, um, when you look back at COVID, there was quite a few people who went out and decided to do something a little bit different because the opportunity that that kind of really hectic environment provided the time, the space, and time to think about what else you can do, how you can apply your skills differently. So I guess you know, I don't necessarily want, want to thank COVID for being able to provide you, you know, with this experience to get um, your your organization and being able to help people, but in a kind of roundabout kind of way, we can say thank you to COVID for it as well.
1: Yeah, there's, there's there's a couple of silver linings, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so one of the things that we like to do on the podcast is we want to make sure that we give everyone a bit of a description or a definition so that we're all on the same page. So from your perspective, do you want to describe what we mean by mental health and in particular in the workplace?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think mental health has such a range of different meanings for people. You know, we get confused between mental health, wellness, mental illness and all this sort of thing. And I think The best way to think about our mental health as human beings you know we all have mental health um and it's on a continuum it's on a spectrum we all have days where they might be tired and run down and flat or maybe you know maybe we might be sad or upset about something that's happened so we have periods in our life where our mental health is not as great as we'd like it to be and that's down one end of the continuum and then at the other end we have Acute mental illness and you know real struggle and real um, impact and burden from mental health and mental illness um, and we have everything in between, so I think it's really important that we realize that we do have mental health, some people have good mental health, some people have poor mental health, some of those people have mental illnesses, some don't um, there's a real spectrum here, but I think about it as. A very human experience you know we all have uh mental health that sits at some point in that continuum it could be good it could be not so great it could be you know illness territory everything in between we're so individual but it's a very unifying thing as well because we all have or don't have mental health from time to time and i think that's a useful way to think about it as a really broad range of experiences that we can go through as human beings
0: and if i really That to managers because it's um, something that is connected, like it's for every person, and every person's going to go up and down that continuum depending on what's going on. As a manager, having an understanding around what their own mental health is like and also what you know the impact of different things on their people's mental health. Because one of the key things that I have recognized in my career is that if you are having a good experience at work. And you have, you know, you don't have anything that is impacting your mental health. That's actually going to have a significant impact on your broader health as well. So our manager community around how do I help people and manage is something that you've come across as well.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the question, how do we help people? I think number one is realizing what i've just sort of explained is that we're on a continuum as well and depending where we're at we may be feeling fully resourced to help somebody off we or we may not be we may feel like we can't do that um i think sharing a little bit with uh our our team about how we're going is a really powerful thing to do just sort of say well this is how my mental health is at the moment you know this is where i'm at you know this is what's going on for me but i think fostering that conversation with your teams to say Mental health, just like any other health condition, is something that people go through. Work can be, as you said, an a, um, incredible protective factor for people. It can be a really great thing, but it can also be a place where people get a lot of stress from. And acknowledging that, talking about that, I think is the first step, because without acknowledging or accepting that work can play a role in our health and well-being, including our mental health, then even having those conversations with people is really hard. So I'm always about starting with a broad conversation with our teams that just acknowledges that we all experience this stuff and that's okay. And we don't necessarily judge people or their performance or their work output or anything like that around their mental health because it is a unifying experience. We all have or don't have mental health at different times in our life. So, yeah, I think just getting good at having that conversation and acknowledging that is a really solid place to start.
0: Yeah I really like that and it's it kind of lends itself a little bit to the information that comes up around creating a psychologically safe environment so you're you're opening the doors to have honest conversations and people don't feel like they're going to be judged people are sharing so there there's some vulnerability even from the manager perspective so i definitely like um those messages that you're sharing and i just i'm trying to think about it like if you had a broken arm something physical so something that's maybe a little bit more obvious it's highly likely if you go into the workplace that someone's going to say hey how's your broken arm or after you get the cast off you know how's your you know your therapy going how are you getting functionality back but it's i guess seems less sensitive to ask those questions um but then um more sensitive when you're thinking about it from a mental health perspective
1: Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, we're very good at talking about physical health again, because we all have it and we all don't have it from time to time. And like, like you said, if someone breaks their arm, you know, if they come into a, into the workplace and let's say they've broken their arm and it's their dominant arm and their job is really physical, maybe they're a house painter or something, you know, we don't sit there and and kind of go, oh, well, you know, this is really a big problem. We kind of go, okay, so you can't do that job at the moment because of that injury, so what can you do? Maybe you need some time off, like what is it? But with mental health stuff, I think we do get in the way of ourselves a little bit because we worry about Are we going to be saying the right thing are we going to be minding our own business is it some people will say is it all legal for me to ask about that you know these sorts of things but in actual fact they're just health conditions impacting the person in the workplace and i guess too we have to realize and, and accept that people don't talk about their mental health with us not because they don't want to but because They, we live in a world and a society that's not quite up to speed yet with this stuff. And that, that society unfortunately still says to people, this is too hard. We don't want to, we don't want to hear about it. It's too tricky. I'm not sure how to handle it. And so people don't volunteer this information to us because of the fear of how we're going to respond. But you're absolutely right. We would not have that same hesitation, generally speaking, with a physical health issue and comparing physical and mental health, I think is a really useful way to think. About mental health actually because they're both health conditions they both can have a burden on people and if we don't think about them equally we're kind of doing one of those people a disservice the person with the mental health stuff rather than the physical health stuff i think and that's probably not a place we want to be in when we're in a leadership capacity you know we don't want to be treating people differently based on their experiences really that's not what we want to do i don't think but yeah, there's a whole world out there messaging us all the time about what we should do and what we can do and what we shouldn't do. And it's not always right. It's not always right. Mm,
0: yeah. And it's quite interesting. I'm casting my mind back. I was in a situation um in one of the- and um had said, you know, actually the they're sick, they're suffering quite significantly from depression. And it was, you know, it was the person who was the highest energy, um, super positive, and, you know, all these kind of big, I guess, personality, you know, and just such a happy kind of guy, and um, was quite surprised that that this had happened and then you know how did we not know about it before and and all these different things because now obviously it's getting quite significant um and then you know obviously we i was very fortunate i was part of a large organization we're able to provide support and put our arms around him and and make sure that he felt supported but that initial shock of finding out that that's happened to someone that you know within your team and then trying to figure out oh okay what do i need to do and just coming back to the whole physical health thing i wonder if i'd substituted depression for broke my broke my arm uh head injury whatever it was you know what what i would have been thinking i certainly wouldn't have been as scared slash shocked i think um and- so yeah, so it's just such an interesting way of thinking about it how can you substitute the words you know the 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 thing that they're talking about to something physical and would you think about it differently
1: yeah and, and i mean people do mask and sort of suppress their physical health stuff at work too. So there might be someone in your team, you might be listening to this now and and there might be someone in your team that's going through a significant physical health issue, but they haven't disclosed it to you for whatever reason. And it's probably because they might be worried about how you might take that, what you might think of them. So this stuff's happening with physical health already uh, all, absolutely it is. And people get used to masking it and pushing it down and not letting it be seen. Um, and I think it's unfortunate because when people do, um, when they do feel comfortable to share, and this is not a criticism of, of them at all, I get why they don't, but when they do share, in my experience, organisations and leaders really want to help their people. and. When you, when you are able to create an environment in your team where someone can put their hand up and say, I'm going through this issue, whatever it is, whether it's physical health, mental health, something else, um, and I need a bit of X, Y, or Z, is that possible? Most leaders that I know would be like, thank you so much for telling me that. Yeah, what, what can I do? How can I help you? But we're not quite there yet as a, I guess as a society, you know, that that people feel that comfortable. I think it's changing. But I think we've got some work to do in that space. And I think leaders absolutely can play a really pivotal role in changing that. Um, I think we're in a really great position to be able to sort of start to change some of that stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, excellent. So let's have a, a bit of a sense check around um, why do we think having good mental health is important in the workplace?
1: Well, I guess um, one of the things we talk about a lot when we um when we train this stuff is we talk about burden and burden can come from anything that we're going through. And if we think about it in the context of health, if we have a physical health issue, it's going to cause some burden. So if I'm a house painter with a broken arm, I'm burdened by that broken arm, you know, it might impact my ability to work, it might have impact my ability to perform as well as I'd like to, or as well as I need to, and we can express the same level of burden to different mental health conditions. So at the end of the day, if someone's burdened by something, they're almost by definition, not going to be able to show up as well as if they were not burdened by that thing. And this applies just as much to mental health as it does physical health. So I think when we when we think about someone in our team experiencing mental health stuff, mental health problems, you know, however we describe that or however we label that in order to allow them to contribute at their peak and to be able to um, give as much as they want to, they really need good, strong supports from us that support them to be able to manage their own mental health just as we would offer someone to manage their own physical health and i think the the, the covid example that comes to mind um, having talked about covid just before is you know at the moment if someone gets COVID, you know we call the office we say i've got COVID. i need to work from home and i can still be productive i can still work i just need to be at home and workplaces go oh that's fine you know no problem that's all right take time if you need it but that's fine so we're supporting that person's health status we're allowing them to be in control of what they do and don't do you know we, we give them choice and, and options and agency and we allow them to work from home and they can contribute just as well, probably as they would if they were in the office. So the question again is, well, if someone is experiencing mental health stuff, how are we enabling them to contribute as much as they can, as much as they'd like to, as much as we want them to, rather than getting in the way? So if we don't think about mental health, we don't think about how we're going to support our team, then I think our productivity, you know, our team's productivity, the way they feel connected to our team and to our businesses, all of that starts to deteriorate, and we want the kind of total opposite of that as leaders and as businesses, really. So I think it comes down to, you know, the impact that the health status is having on the person and what that impact looks like in our team or in our um, in our roles or in our businesses. That's how I think about it anyway.
0: Yeah, I think you've made some fantastic points, and it came up in another podcast I was um, recording recently around, you know, the way that you support your people is the way that your people are going to support their your clients, your customers. So having a, a place where people feel supported and people feel enabled to manage whatever issue they might be facing at that point in time is actually going to have flow on effects to the customer and their front the business as well. So it doesn't, yeah. doesn't just make it good sense for a societal perspective and looking after our people, but it also makes good business sense as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the stats around return on investment, you know, when we, I think um, the Heads Up Initiative, I think that's what it was called, I just had a mental blank there, but you know, it's widely accepted that every dollar we spend on mental health and supporting mental health returns for $5 dollars back to us. So from a from an investment, from a return on investment perspective, it's an absolute no-brainer. So it's kind of like, well, why are we not doing that then? And I think that's when we start to think about, you know, stigma, fear, worry, shame, these sorts of things. Um, and actually, it's quite easy to structure ourselves in a way that allows us to overcome those barriers. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely the case, I think, that how you treat people shows up in, in the way that they work and how they support people. Um, and also, I, I was having a conversation this morning with a client, you know, when you can create an environment for your team member that accommodates their needs, including their mental health, their physical health, maybe they've got childcare responsibilities, whatever it is, the gratitude that flows back from that that um, arrangement, that, 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 that gratitude that flows back from that effort that you put in is palpable we can see it we can measure it and it makes a massive difference for people and that's what i'm all about you know trying to create environments that people can thrive in and that includes accommodating their mental health needs 100 absolutely
0: Well, in that example that I mentioned that happened in my um, prior management experience, I felt that, you know, that the um, the individual, I think there was a bit of a three-month period where we supported them in, in different ways and and during that period and then after it, the amount of times he said how appreciative um, he was of that experience and that it was a no questions asked experience as well. You know, we, we really did do what we could possibly. And, and and he also helped define what that looked like because he was in the best position to know what he needed. Yeah. Um, but then even for you know months, years afterwards, I, I feel like we kept him for longer as well. We retained him for longer because of experience.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, if we think about what it takes for that person to be vulnerable with us, to say, this is what I need around a topic, mental health, that's a bit touchy, a bit sensitive for a lot of people. If we uh, hold that conversation with respect and care and empathy, uh, you know, and compassion, then that creates a really beautiful environment for that person. But if we think about it from another perspective, if that's hard for that person to do, it's really taxing on that person in a lot of a lot of cases. They really struggle with that. It's a big emotional drain. So they want to stay with you because you've done that work, but also if they need to go somewhere else and start that process again with somebody else entirely, they carry that burden to do that elsewhere. So I'm not at all surprised that when we have these environments that really cater to the humanness of the people that are in them, that they stay around. These are places that we enjoy being. These are psychologically safe environments, which are very attractive to people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. And I, um, and I think you're right when you were saying earlier on that, you know, some you know places or society or organizations are maybe not as well equipped or set up or spending time and focus in this area to help support individuals like that. So that's another reason why people might be cautious of, moving from one environment that does support that into another where it's a bit of a question mark.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a world where, you know, people uh, have a lot of choice about where they work and, and how they contribute and how they express their their work part of themselves, there's a world of choice and people are becoming really attuned to what's that kind of work-life balance thing that that an organisation offers or a team or a job offers. And I really think a big part of that is, how well supported am I as a whole human being, which in the context of the conversation you and I are having has to include the mental health piece. So, yeah, I think organisations organization, organisations that are paying attention to this stuff and team leaders and, and managers that are paying attention to this stuff are miles ahead. They're really miles ahead of, of of others, you know, and it can be a resourcing thing, but it's equally not difficult to learn the skills about how to do it well.
0: We're excited to announce that we have the Manager IQ's Mastering Management Program. This is a 12 week online program delivered online by subject matter experts. We believe that in 90 days, we can help you have a self discovery exercise where you can understand where you're at right now in your management practice and where you need to be. We'll provide you with the skills that's going to help you build your toolkit that you can lean on in the future. We'll also give you the ability to experiment in our management laboratories so that you can have the safe space to learn and embed all the different skills that you're learning throughout the program. We also want to make sure that you continue to grow and evolve by providing you with a peer support network through our Manager Mentor Hub community. Let's think about We're the so excited to bring this community and this program to life, to and others, we can't wait to make sure that you have the capability, certainty and confidence to be the manager that you want or, to be. You know, so come along and join us. Information is on are. our website That's at www.manageriq.com. Um, one
1: thing to remember as well about this whole conversation is sometimes when our mental health is not in a great place, uh, it can be actually very hard for us to objectively measure how we're going. And this is a bit of a, a tricky thing because if we're asking someone to keep an eye on how they're travelling but that insight, that self-insight is limited by what they're experiencing, then perhaps they won't ever be able to do that to the level that we want them to. So we need people around us to help us with that. But I think a good place to start is to kind of think about, well, you know, are there things that are getting in the way of me doing what I'd like to be doing in the way that I'd like to be doing it? And those things should be, or not should be, but when we're thinking about it, it's sort of like, how's my head space? Where's my head at? Like what's getting in the way? We can think about it in terms of our emotions, how we're feeling, how we're thinking, you know, is there something going on at the moment that, Is getting us, yeah, stopping us from doing the things we want to do in the way that we want to do them. And if the answer to that's yes, and it feels like a thinking or a mental health kind of space that that's coming from, then that's a really good kind of pointer to say to that leader or that manager, it might be a good idea to go and get some external input about how that's going for you, either from a professional or a coach or an EAP service or something like that, to talk about that, to work out together with somebody else, bring a professional into it, with somebody else, is this a mental health thing or is it something else that's going on? And either way, you can benefit a lot by getting that support anyway so whether it is a mental health thing or whether it's not um it might be an external environment thing it could be anything really but getting help for that sort of space you're in is a really great thing to do so you kind of can't go wrong with getting external views on it but i think that's the, the place to start from it's like well am i able to do the things i want to be doing in the way that i'd like to be doing them or am i not able to do things the way that I used to be able to do things, you know, has something changed? That's the first point of call, I think. And then getting a trusted person involved in that thinking, if you feel comfortable to do that, is a really good place to start from in terms of getting a a handle on where things are out for yourself.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I did a video on blind spots and it kind of makes me think of that a little bit. You know, like you may be so so much in the hustle of management and the, the different pressures that come at you all the time that you don't necessarily notice that you're starting to your mental health is starting to deteriorate until it might be kind of quite, you know, far down that continuum. So um I like the idea of you know, asking people and or people coming up to you. I guess if you created that environment where people feel safe to say, you know, how are you going? Or I guess the "Are you okay?" campaign is such a powerful thing. Is around people asking you that question because there's been some sort of trigger for them in the way that you're behaving or way that you're performing.
1: Absolutely, and you know what else I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about you know, leaders and managers who are really people focused. Um, If you're anything like me, listener, (laughs) I really do focus on other people a lot because I like to nurture and support people. And sometimes I can get into a place where I'm doing all of that external to me, but I actually need a little bit of it. I need a little bit of self-support. And I think leaders and managers, a big part of why we do leadership and management is the people aspect and looking after people and making sure people are supported. And it can be a really easy thing to slip into a space where you're supporting others but not turning that attention inwards onto yourself. And at the end of the day, if we're not doing that, the question is can we keep supporting the people around us um, as much as we like to um, or as best as we'd like to if we're not topping up our own batteries as well.
0: Yeah. It makes me think about a time where I I spoke to a leader of mine and said, you know, I've been in this, uh, you know, my leadership role for the last five years with this team, and I just don't feel like I have the same energy to um, manoeuvre through the challenges that the more, I guess or whatever it might be and that I needed to take a bit of a secondment away to be able to recharge those batteries to then bring it back because I could see myself starting to decline in certain ways whether it's for the love of the job or the energy or so forth but then maybe thinking back and re-looking at that situation maybe it was a little bit of an aspect of the fact that my mental health was starting to deteriorate in some way and I just needed to find some way of getting myself out of that situation for a, a short period of time you know how long it was in the end.
1: Yeah. It's a really great example uh, as you're as you're talking, I'm hearing you say you know i I might have been reflecting that my mental health was deteriorating, and I think a lot of people might listen to that and really kind of freak out a bit about my mental health is deteriorating you know it's and I think it's about getting comfortable with that language because everyone's mental health deteriorates from time to time for a range of different reasons. So it's not a problem that that's happening, you know, and that doesn't mean you're experiencing mental illness. It doesn't mean you need any professional supports. It just means that you're going through something that's affecting your mental health. And that's worthy of attention. It's worthy of support. It's worthy of focus to to sort of move back out of that space. Um, So if you're listening to this and going, oh, mental health deteriorating sounds really big and hectic, I invite you to rethink about that because everyone's mental health does go up and down and deteriorating just means it's not as good as it used to be. And that's okay. That's okay. That's a very human kind of experience. So yeah, sometimes language gets in the way. We, we over, uh, over label stuff, I guess, but yeah, just as you were talking, I just I went, oh yeah, that Could sound really big, but it's actually just a very normal experience.
0: Mm, yeah exactly and I could probably apply that to many different situations in my life you know like uh, you know not even just at work you know like different things happen in, in your own personal life as well that could cause you to have a moment where you're not feeling um, well in that area um, and yeah. one of the things that me and um, one of my um, my team leaders we used to talk a lot about is around what is the difference between in their mental health and it, we kept on grappling with how how do we Communicate what that could look like, and then when someone says they're stressed, are they actually having a decline or is are they are they saying they're but having a mental health time, but really they're distressed or are they one and the same?
1: Well, I guess let's start at one part of the continuum and kind of explore a little bit so when we, when we when we when I'm teaching mental health first aid one of the one of the things we talk about is how do we work out if the person's going through a mental illness or experiencing a mental illness or if they're just going through a period in life, which is that normal up and down thing that happens, you know, we all have ups and downs, but how do we tell the difference between that and mental illness? And sometimes they'll look the same, um, sometimes they won't, but there's kind of three parts to this. So the first is that the person's um, got a, they're experiencing a major change in the way they're thinking, feeling or behaving. The second part is that this um, change is getting in the way of their ability to do what they'd normally do. So, you know, everyone's got a normal, you know, everyone's got their own normal level uh, or their baseline. And it's those things that we've noticed are starting to get in the way of that. And then the third bit is, how long has this been going on for, or has it lasted longer than we think it should, or that that the person usually experiences things for? And if we tick those three boxes, this is not to say, ding, 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 this person has mental illness, it's giving us a bit of a shape of... How much of an issue is this? Um, how significant is, is it? What's the burden? So that's the first bit about how do you work out—is this just life stuff or is it mental illness? And kind of second to that, regardless of any of that, um, I think talking uh, about mental health in the in the context of just that middle piece about am I able to do the things I want to do um, the way that I used to do them? Even is that happening or isn't it? And the, the extent to which that is or isn't happening might give us a bit of a sense of, well, where on the continuum are we? You know, is this just I've had two days of no, you know, no sleep and I'm really tired because I've been working on a deadline and today I'm a bit grumpy because I haven't slept or is this something else, you know, what is it? But it requires us to zoom out a little bit, I think, and think about what's going on for the person, what's going on for ourselves holistically before we can work out is this illness or is it something else, is it just life stuff? fully recognising that no matter where on that sort of continual spectrum we land, we can get support for ourselves, but we can also be supportive of the people around us. Um, just because they're one end of the continuum or the other doesn't mean we can't support them. It's more often than not a question of how will we support this person? What will we do and how will we do it? Rather than do we need to, will we do anything? I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a it's a question of, What can we do? How can we help this person? And that's going to depend on what they're going through.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that. I think that alone is going to be very helpful for a lot of managers out there around how they might deal with the scenario because I suspect that it it does come up a lot. Um, Even just from my experience, it came up for us a lot. you spoke a little bit about some of the things that was going on for people um, within um, your team that might signal that they might be experiencing some sort of you know mental health challenge. Is there any other, I guess, things that you would want managers to look out for that would help them, I guess, recognise that?
1: Yeah, I think in the context of work, uh, the other one to think about is sort of attendance and leave pattern. So sometimes people will elect not to come to work, and they won't disclose why they're not coming to work. You know, they'll say, I need a sick day or something like this, and they'll take sick leave, which might be out of pattern or out of character, perhaps, or maybe they're using more of that than, than they usually do. So I think these are sort of some markers. We can look at that. We could also observe that as one of the three things I mentioned. You know, that's a major change in behaviour, right? It's something new that's happening that hasn't happened in the past, for example. That might be a sign, but by itself, it's not enough for us to work out what's going on for that person. We need to check with them. Um, so I think attendance, that kind of stuff, participation, you know, when they're here, when they're at work, are they participating? Are they contributing in the same way as they always have? Or is that different? You know, we're not always looking for these sort of what I call classic signs of mental health problems or mental illnesses. Sometimes it's just behaviours that are just different to how they normally are. And this can be our our, our early invitation to check in with that person and see how they're going so i think besides the behavior change it's things like leave contribution those sorts of things sometimes leaders will just say oh i've just got a gut feeling something's not quite right you know i just don't know what it is but i've just got a feeling and again i think that's an invitation or an encouragement anyway to check in with our people and say i've noticed a few things you know this is what i've noticed how are you traveling are you okay can i support you in any way so yeah, I don't think there's one or two specific things. Mm-hmm. It's really just a a collection of how different is this person at the moment to what I normally experience them as? And when I when I you know investigate that, does that give me concern around a mental health thing? Or is there something else I can point to that's that's the thing that's driving what I'm observing? So I'll give you a very quick example. Um I worked with someone and their their one of their parents passed away, and as you'd expect, They were coming to work, they took some time off, um, but they came to work and for a good couple of weeks they were sad, they were flat, they weren't as um, productive as they normally would be, but we understood why, you know, we understood why. They're going through grief, they're grieving, and we gave them space, we gave them support, but we understood where that change was coming from, and in that case we're not necessarily well we're concerned about their mental health of course we are but we're not sort of looking at that behavior and going that's coming from mental health stuff it's coming from a life experience which has an attachment to it of a mental health impact so as soon as we understand it that helps to give us context about what we need to do for that person you know but again we're talking about something that you know grief that's culturally accepted you know everyone understands how that works no one would say stop being sad you know you've been sad for two weeks you know stop being sad we would never dream of doing that to that person but if they're experiencing mental health stuff maybe we would yeah maybe we would
0: and I think one of the words that I'm going to pick out there is context you know and it's about how managers can have good relationships with their people so that they actually do have that context yeah that so they can apply the behaviours that they're seeing or they're experiencing and so forth with a change in behaviour. So context seems to be a big thing. How well are you getting to know your people? How vulnerable are you being with them so that they feel safe to be able to be vulnerable with you? All comes into play around how you're able to then assess if there's something maybe a bit more going on for them.
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, for us to be able to see signs or symptoms, we need to create an environment in which people feel safe to allow those symptoms to surface It's that whole thing of, you know, when you come to work, leave all your personal stuff at the front door. That doesn't work for anybody. No one that I've ever met has gone, Oh, yes, I successfully, you know, left all my work stuff, all my my work stuff at work and my home stuff at home. That's not how we work. So, you know, it's, it's a constant thing that we have to kind of maintain and nurture. And I think too, if we want people to be vulnerable like that, it's consistent constant small action that demonstrates your commitment to well-being, commitment to mental health support that you're going to rely on when you want to have the conversation with someone, when something's really going on and you want to have that chat with them, you need to have built that context, that safety net of rapport and connection and support well before you need it. You know, you want that net to be building up underneath you for. Days, weeks, months before you need to fall into it, you know, and that takes effort. It takes um, consistent, conscious effort to build, and it's really important.
0: One of the things that you know I've been learning as I've been doing this podcast as well um, is that some of the concepts that we talk about in management—they're not individual, you know. So, your people, psychological safe teams, psychologically safe teams, mental health, building trust—you can actually accomplish a lot of those things. Um, by, you know, creating those environments that you just talked about as well. So it's not about that a manager, because I think sometimes as a manager, you think I've got so much to do, but it's actually recognising that there is some things that you can do that's going to help you cover off quite a few of these aspects of being a good manager and helping you, enabling your people to do well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, the thing that, as you're, as you're talking, the thing that's going through my head is, If we want our team to do something, if we want, and whether that's a task or an output or, you know, mental health support, whatever it is, you know, understanding, then we should give them the tools and get out of the way. (laughs) You know, give them the tools and get out of the way. Let them do it, you know, but that requires us to sit in a place where they know that we've got their back, but we trust them. And that's transformative. You know, when you can get to that sort of space, that's transformative and that doesn't, that takes skill. But it doesn't necessarily take a lot of effort from a manager, if that makes sense. So it's a practice, it's a skill that you can develop. But yeah, absolutely. Give people the creative environment in which people can thrive and, and flourish and then let them enjoy it. You know, that's that's kind of what goes through my head. I know that sounds simple, but I actually think a lot of things that we think about with mental health stuff are simple. You know, we just need to sort of get out of our, out of our own way sometimes too.
0: Mm, yeah. So you're talking about. Creating it, you know, like this environment, but what are some of the other ways that businesses can help their people be more mentally well?
1: Oh look! I think I think if you're if you're in a business that wants to support people's well-being, you need to tell them. You need to actually show them, tell them that you that you want to do that, and then back that up with action. So a lot of work business. I mean, I work with all sorts of organisations, large and small. Large organisations, people often think, oh, large organisations will have all the things, you know, all the tools and everything. And some of them don't. You know, some of them don't have. Um, everything worked out you know the way that we think they will and some small organizations are absolutely nailing it so I think if we want to if we want to create environments in which people can thrive from a mental health perspective I think we need to teach people about this stuff people need to understand how it works and they need to understand how they can actually support each other and businesses and and organizations and leadership within businesses and organizations of course. Are really key in enabling that to happen you know putting that into place enabling that to happen and creating those layers of support so having learning having employee assistance programs having supports in place having great um appropriate leave policies things like this can really signal to people that you care about their mental health and well-being um and it's going to be very unique to each organization too so it's hard to sort of say do you know these three things but I think if you've got the basics right, the, the foundations right, then you're in a really great place to sort of leap off there and bounce up and, and you know, have um, a really great environment that does support people's wellbeing. It's going to be very individual. But, yeah, they're the basics, I think. And,
0: and talking about the... You are rethinking about their well-being, um, and all aspects of well-being is a really important part. And one of the things that we were doing for and in my last team it was around we set up a well-being committee. So we said, okay, who wants to be part of this as well? If you have a passion around it, and we can think about how we look at that. And then we also had, um, I think it was two well-being days was it two well-being days a quarter or something like that, that? They could just take off for any reason, no questions asked, you know, whatever it might be. um, And so people were able to then use that to take the time that they needed to re- to recharge and so forth. But I think that what it's telling me, what it's, I'm seeing a, in reflection is that actually those were signals to my team that I cared about their well-being, that I was actually creating space and time for people to work on this and then also help them recharge.
1: Definitely yeah absolutely and you know your listeners might be listening to that and going well my organization doesn't have two flexible days a quarter we don't have that you know so i can't offer that and my challenge or my invitation to the leader listening is to say well what can you do within the within the confines of your role and your organization what can you do that might deliver a similar outcome And a really classic example of why people don't get support for their mental health stuff is time. They'll say, I don't have time to 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 get that support. I know where I could go. I know where, you know, who I want to talk to. I just do not have the time. And for a lot of people, that's very valid. They don't have the time. You know, they might have really busy work lives or family lives and time is precious. But if you as a manager can say to your person, well, I hear what you're saying is the barrier is time. What if you left work? an hour early one day or fortnight, would that be helpful? And that's probably something that a, that a manager listening can do for their people that actually fundamentally will change the experience for that person. So don't don't always hear like what these organisations have got and go, well, we don't have that. Um, instead, look for what do I have? What can I do? What's practical? What's within the realms of my role and responsibility? What can I do that might seem small to us, but big to the person? And there's usually something. There's usually something.
0: Yeah. And also ask your people, I guess, you know, get that exam, you know, those thoughts around what that could look like. And I guess continue to evolve because your people will change as you have new people join your team because they're probably yeah. in the best position to know what would be the most useful for them.
1: Yeah. I'm always saying to people in, in the courses I run, you know, we are the experts on ourselves. So that means our team members are the experts on themselves. You know so asking someone that question you just posed about what do you need what can i offer you they will often know the answer to that question but they're experiencing a barrier of some kind which they need your help with to overcome so we don't have to know the the answer of you know what does each person in my team need all we need to do is kind of get it you know again get out of the way say to that person i'm happy to support you tell me what you need and i'll tell you if i can do it for you You know, they will have ideas. They'll have, um, they'll have thought about it. And if they haven't, then we can offer some ideas as well. So, you know, some, you know, a couple of hours off here or there or something like that. But people, we are the experts on ourselves. No one is a better expert on what we need than, than us most of the time. So just asking them is a great, great thing. Wonderful idea.
0: Yeah, great. We're excited to announce that Manager IQ has now created a new manager community called the Manager Mentor Hub. This is a place where managers can come to master their craft, get access to a supportive community and share their knowledge and experience. When you join this community, you will have the ability to undertake a management self-review, set your goals, get access to monthly masterclasses where the topics are based off the community goals, requests and other general community chatter. There is a weekly live office hours to ask and workshop any of your management questions that you might have. And of course, there's also the community itself where you can ask each other questions and get support from each other. So why don't you come along and check us out? More information can be seen at www.manageriq.com. See you there. I guess if you're a manager and you are you know, having an individual who is experiencing some challenges, You know, what are some of the things? I guess we could ask the person what they need. Is there any other things that a manager can do that can, you know, assist them when they're in there? I guess maybe if we think about it in the acute stage, something is happening for them right now that might be quite significant.
1: Yeah. So a good way to sort of anchor our thinking is to think about if this was a, a similarly impactful physical health issue, how would I be handling this and what conversation would I be having because at the end of the day, physical issue, mental health issue, they're both health problems. And we would probably have the framework for that conversation in the physical space. So let's use that. So that's a really good starting point just to kind of go, okay, if this was happening here, let me, let me give you an example. So one of the activities we're doing in Mental Health First Aid is to rank the burden of illnesses. And it might surprise you and your listeners to know that moderate depression moderate to sort of severe depression has the same impact same measurable impact of burden as someone who's experiencing disseminated breast cancer so if if someone came to our workplace and said i've been diagnosed with wow. disseminated breast cancer what would you what would your response be and if your response is not i Identical in terms of effort and compassion and allowance and and kind of making allowances as the person who's experiencing depression we have to stop and go what's happening there because they're both experiencing the same level of burden but their experience of that burden is going to be fundamentally different if we treat them differently so I think starting off with what is the impact here? How do I support this person? Adding on that layer of, yeah, we want to be careful and treat treat the person with respect because it is mental health stuff and people worry about this stuff. So we want to add some layers there. But fundamentally, it's the same as if someone came into your workplace and they're experiencing a physical health problem. Really, it's just about, OK, what can I do? What does that policy and procedure kind of stack say? What does the person need? What can I do? And let's get in. Let's get into that conversation, and again, get out of their way. Enable them to look after themselves properly.
0: I like that thought around getting out of their way, um, because I guess you don't also want to be too overly involved that you're actually getting on them or getting too much into the detail because, and making them feel uncomfortable as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's about sort of saying to them, I think. Anyway, my approach is. You know, I am I will always listen to anything you want to tell me. I will always listen. I may not be able to do everything you need me to do, or I may not know how to do everything, but I'll always listen. I'll always try. And, yeah, it, you're right. You don't want to be getting too involved. I mean, if, if someone walked into the office and they were limping, you know, they go, oh, I twisted my ankle yesterday at netball training or whatever it is, you wouldn't follow them around all day saying, are you okay? Can I help you with that? Can I help you with that? Like, you wouldn't follow them around the office all day asking the questions about it you go let me know if you need anything and then you get on with your day and it's probably the same with mental health stuff it's Mm -hmm. different but it's probably the same you know you wouldn't be constantly are you okay are you okay can I help you you'd be like let's have the conversation so you know how I can help you and that I want to help you and then when you need it let me know and then I would always be add some proactivity to that so proactive check-ins you know regularly but not every five minutes you know that's going to be like it's too much. Like, thanks, Nick. I really appreciate your concern. But I'm just trying to do these emails here, you know, like, can you stop asking me? Like, I'm okay. I'll let you know. Um, so, yeah, again, that physical comparison is, is a good one, right? To go, well, if this was physical, would I be doing that or would I be doing this? What's the way forward?
0: I I love that. I think that's going to be such a good takeaway from this conversation around having that comparison to what it would be like if you substituted, you know, a mental health scenario to a physical health one. Um, So I think that's going to be a fantastic thing that people can lean in on. Um, One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is as an individual, what are the steps that they can take to build their own mental health, you know, so to have a positive state of mental health or be on, you know, the positive end of the continuum?
1: Yeah, well, I guess it's about... um... It's about monitoring and keeping an eye on all the things we've been talking about so far, isn't it, you know? Um, it's about that, but it's also about just doing things that, that we know are good for our mental health, that, that they're good for our mental well-being. So social connection, you know, work plays such a fundamental role in our well-being too, so making sure that work is good and that work works for us. Um, eating well. Exercise, taking care of our physical health is an amazing support for our mental health as well. It's really going back to those basics, I think, and then getting support when we need it, you know, and getting that support early. So if we think that we're starting to experience something, go early. No, no professional is going to say, you've come to me too early, you know. They're going to say, Thanks for coming now, because while this is sort of in its um infancy, I guess, for lack of a better description, like while this is just developing treatment is more effective it works quicker the earlier we get support so it's about being vigilant i think and bringing those supports in early when we think we need them as well as trying to just look after our general well-being yeah physically and and mentally i guess yeah it's
0: I'm great I, I like the idea of making sure that or trying in any way that you can getting to a professional early or getting that support taking that break or can you yourself out of this environment you know some some environments are just not worth it i guess yeah. um so yes yeah, so i do i do like that because i have heard a lot in the past around the fact that if you can get in early you're in a much better position to overcome what you're facing in a in a in a less time consuming and probably a lot more work way or less work way
1: yeah, yeah
0: it's true Yeah. And for managers who are uh, listening to this, are there any kind of barriers or challenges that are worth mentioning? And if they are, you know, is is there ways for managers to overcome them when they're dealing with mental health concerns in their team?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's probably um, the barriers that people experience are as unique as the people themselves, I suppose. Um, Common ones, the common barriers I think happen in workplaces are around time, cost, and also around, um, sort of openness, you know, so the barriers of, of openness to how, how, how confident and comfortable do people feel talking about this stuff? But I think time's a big one. Cost is a big one for people as well, particularly at the moment, you know, mental health supports can be expensive. So, Supporting people with access to free services, whether that's helplines or perhaps you have an EAP service. So really reminding people that the EAP is there for them to access for free, usually. Um, you know, just kind of going back again, going back to those basics of overcoming those, those barriers. But it's about money, you know, time and kind of the ability to talk about it. I think these are the classic ones. And there might be some organisational policy and procedure stuff that might get in the way. But if you're a leader and a manager and you're supporting someone with mental health stuff and it starts to feel significant, it starts to feel... Um, bigger than you can manage by yourself, I'm always encouraging leaders that I work with to loop in, you know, someone else into that conversation. That might be a HR or a people and culture kind of role in the business or maybe your leader, your manager as well. Just say, hey, I'm dealing with this situation with with this team member. I may or may not need your support right now, but, you know, just letting you know because those roles in our businesses are there to support the humans in our businesses. So looping them in early is a great way to kind of um, overcome those barriers too because they're going to have ideas, they're going to know what their policies policy framework is they're going to know um, supports and probably they've probably dealt with a similar situation in the same organization before so you're bringing that support into supporting your person and again we're going early we're bringing it in early
0: mm-hmm. that's fantastic and one of the things I wanted to make sure that we touched on before we head off is that you've mentioned uh, mental health nursing training a couple of times so for those you know what is it you know how do people access it
1: yeah so mental health first aid is a wonderful program um i love delivering it it's um yeah it's pretty special to me basically it's like physical first aid for mental health problems not physical health problems and it's teaching people the basics of how mental health works you know how do we discern between mental health and mental illness you know how do we navigate all of that stuff what the real reality of that um, of mental health and mental illness is in Australia we look at the common mental illnesses that people experience in Australia too so depending on the course you do we look at anxiety depression substance use problems psychosis a range of things we look at um, crisis situations as well so we teach about how to support people who are in a mental health crisis and we teach you importantly, we teach you a model for how to have a conversation with someone when you're worried about their mental health or where you want to have a mental health chat with someone. We actually teach you an evidence based model that's, that's, um, that helps us to structure that conversation in a way that's, um, supportive, warm, non judgmental, but deeply based in evidence based practice. So we know it's good. We know that this is, um, best practice out of data, out of research, but also from lived experience. So it's a very practical toolkit. Um, and I think for leaders and managers, anyone in the workplace, it's an essential people skill, 100%. I actually think of it more as a people skill than a, than a kind of mental, like a first aid skill. I think it's actually a people skill because people are going through mental health stuff all the time, whether we know it or not. So, yeah, it's a wonderful program. Um, it's a really easy program. It can be done face to face, online. Anywhere in the country, so yeah, it's it's yeah. I I could talk about it all day. I won't, but I could.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Nick. And I think one of the things as well is it's not going to help you. It's not only going to help you prepare for the conversations in the workplace. It can actually also help you prepare for those conversations in your personal life as well, because it's a it's a skill that can be across your whole life. It's not necessarily just a a workplace skill, which I think is another fantastic thing. And Nick, how do people get in touch with you um, if they want a further conversation or access your services?
1: Probably the easiest one is to head to the website. So it's just www.thementalhealthcoach.com.au. You can read about programs there. You can reach out to me for a chat. Um, Yeah, it's probably the easiest way.
0: Yeah, fabulous. I can't thank you enough for all the information and knowledge and tips that you've shared today. I think the managers on the online listening to this are definitely going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, everybody.
0: Alright right, everyone, we'll hope you have a lovely day and we'll speak to you again or you'll hear from us again in another episode. Take care, have a good day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you have any feedback or would like us to deep dive on a specific skill, please email us at hello at manageriq.com. Thanks very much. Have a good day.